Hello world, welcome to Industry 4.0. Tonight we have a smaller crew. I'm Jeff Budzinski and I'm here with Ryan Thompson and Kyle Fisher. I'd like to start by wishing the happiest of birthdays to our co-star Irvin Lucas, who couldn't be here with us tonight. Hope you had a great day, man. So thanks for listening tonight. Uh, I encourage you to spread the word to your friends. Have them find us on Facebook, Podbean, and Twitter by searching Industry 4.0, spelled out Industry F-O-U-R-O-H, all one word. We're sharing exciting stories and love to get the news out to our subscribers, listeners, and viewers. You can also search for our podcast on Google Play and iTunes by searching Industry 4.0. So with that being Mm -hmm. said... We have some cool topics to cover tonight. Lots of interesting things are happening in the world of technology. First off, we're back on the topic of Ethereum, which is a popular cryptocurrency that's made headlines recently for its upward trends. However, recently there's been a steep decline in its market value, and that has miners selling their graphic cards for cheap prices on bidding sites such as eBay. Guys, you have any thoughts on the topics to lead us off? So the I think that the reselling of graphic cards at a cheap rate is one of the greatest things someone who worked at GameStop for nine years could hear and tell their their, their customer base. I mean, it's we had so many people of PC Master Race walk in the door and kind of say, "Oh, you know, I got the new thing. I know it's gonna. I got to save up for the new thing. Maybe I'll buy something for my Xbox real quick while I'm saving up for the new card." And if they can get a state of the art graphics card for you know, pennies on the dollar. It's it's amazing for that community. I don't know about the uh, cryptocurrency community, but right. the uh, for for the for the PC gaming community, it, it's going to be a big bounce, in my opinion. I, I think it's 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 the first thing that jumped out to me when we started talking about this is that it is having more high powered graphics cards available, bringing the price down, and people just trying to dump them as quickly as possible can only be good for my community when it comes to the tech world, which is <laughs> the gaming community. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm in love with this market saturation right now. I mean, getting 1080s for the price of, what, less than $500. You can get the original 1080s, even TIs, for less than $500 because this market dump right now, it's it's amazing. <laughs> this is something I've been waiting for for a while now. Got to SLI that. See, I'm interested to see what happens in a couple of weeks when all these people who have them on the market are not going to sell them for their buying uh, buy it now price on eBay, for example, of $600, $700. Bidding is around $400 uh, with a day to spare on a lot that I've looked at, um, and that's a great price. You can buy one from Amazon or a site like that, which obviously is not a bidding scenario for around 700 I'd like to see in a couple of weeks for those prices to drop down to maybe $300 where you're getting it for less than half. That's a steal. I do um, definitely have some sympathy for these miners, though, even though they're kind of jumping on the trend. It must be awful to pour that money in and then be disappointed i don't know if you guys saw but um ethereum's value for stock uh was just over 400 dollars a share and it's dropped back down to about 130 170 dollars somewhere around there so if someone bought in at a bad time they're kind of suffering right now and I have a I have a question, and and again, this is more for the the not hardcore tech people, uh, which I throw myself in that group. But uh, so, what is the the trend in these cryptocurrencies? Why is it that you see things go up and down so frequently in things like 
Bitcoin and Ethereum and all like why why might something take a drastic drop like that? What is causing the issue? Why are people dumping like crazy uh, with a cryptocurrency? a great question i'm not an expert on the subject by any means but um i would assume it has to do with the the bandwagon in general people are going out and like ryan was mentioning it's like a saturation of the market on that side where they're going out and they're trying to mine all this ethereum um you know cryptocurrency trying to resell it for a profit and that's when you got enough people doing that i think that there's too many hands in the pot and that's what causes this kind of drop. I could, could be wrong. Honestly, that's my take on it. There's also a limited number of uh, probabilities, which cryptocurrency operates on. So they have these GPUs uh, performing complex calculations and there's only a limited number of basically prime number sequences they can use to find and mine technically these currencies. So once the pool starts drying up, it's harder and harder to find like the remaining bitcoins or or Ethereum out there. So um, on this difficulty level, like it's just spiking. It gets exponential at a certain point, and that's why a lot of um, these miners are just dropping their cards. So so correct me if I'm wrong, but what I kind of took and I even kind of took this right before you said it, and I almost feel like what you just said kind of reinforces my uh, my very basic description of what this is. So basically. It seems like all the people who care to have it now have a majority of it. So now it's time to get rid of it because, there's just, like you said, there's just none left to get it. So whoever cared about it, well, if 99% of the people who care about it have it, there's no market to resell it anymore. So now is why that's exactly why it dropped off, basically in simpler terms of what you just said. Yeah, that, yeah, basically. And there's also, the, for that last 1%, you're competing against people who pool all of their GPUs together. Like, you're competing against legitimate farms who are mining these coins. So, at that level, if you haven't invested so heavily, like, you're you're talking about thousands and thousands of dollars in GPUs. So, if you haven't invested that heavily, then it's not really worth uh, investing any more in it. And real quick, if you... if but whoever wants to jump in, JBuds or Thompson, give people who haven't listened to the previous episode where we went into Bitcoin before a quick description of what this even, what uh, cryptocurrencies even are, like Bitcoin and uh, and Ethereum. I know I know we're not experts on the matter, but if you can give some sort of brief synopsis at all, I, I have the Google definition up. If you want me to read that for you, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> A digital currency in which encryption techniques are used to regulate and generation of units of currency and verify the transfer of funds operating independently of a central bank. So it's decentralized currency. Right. So, yeah, that that's kind of what I was going to respond, even though I don't have all the answers, obviously, is that it, it lacks the central bank. And obviously, it's, it's digital currency. I know some, there are scenarios where it's preferred or even demanded that Bitcoin or another form of cryptocurrencies used uh, for the transaction. Um, it's just interesting. in the uh, ransomware attacks, right? Yeah, that's that's true. That's that was part of it. A big part of it. And back when I don't even remember what the right the dark web was a big thing, and I'm sure it still is in some way. I've never used it, but um, I know that Bitcoin was used for transactions there too, exclusively. Yeah, honestly, cryptocurrencies right now are backed by the obscenely rich who don't want to use slush funds anymore. <laughs> and that gives certain currencies more value than others. 
well, also, it's also huge in the black market. And I wanted to kind of, with with that point being made, touch back on why you're you're asking, you know, why is it failing? And I've been thinking about it a little bit here. I mean, when you see the market value go up, if you invested for a low amount, you're going to sell that stock. And I also think that, you know, the Ethereum itself is probably using that influx of wealth to develop its product further. So, you know, you're taking away from that lump sum that's just, this is what we're worth, and now you're putting it to use. So it looks like, you know, you're taking it from that that currency value and putting it into talent value or resource value. Um, so I think from the miners' perspective, it's not as lucrative, but for Ethereum, they're, serious, they're certainly doing fine. Sure. So, I don't know. A um, couple nice points touched on there, but uh, let's let's transition into another topic here, which is one that I think some of our listeners might have experienced. Hopefully not, but um, some one plus five units are being reported as rebooting when they attempt to dial nine one one. Yes, you heard that correctly. <laughs> on some one plus five devices, if you dial nine one one, it might reboot. I personally don't know how something like that comes into a production unit. Uh, what do you guys think about that? Well, knowing the luck of one of our coworkers who formerly had the Note 7, <laughs> this is right along with that. <laughs> oh There's always some major defect in the uh, phone that he's bought in the last <laughs> two or three attempts. <laughs> it really is so unfortunate. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, honestly, it's just luck of the draw, but it's unfortunate in his case, and it, I'm, I'm going to see if I can determine my uh, next phone based off of what he doesn't want to get. <laughs> <laughs> that is not a bad strategy. It really isn't at this Listen, point. I, so they've had a few s- small issues with the phone so far. You have the, um, what was it, the, the, the jelly scrolling. Uh, they said it... it, it won't be addressing a huge, you know, it's not a huge problem. And then a small audio problem, nothing too major with the phone, things that can be taken care of easily. But like, I feel like, how do you miss this? How do you even let this happen? It's like the only number you can dial without putting a passcode in is the one that turns the phone off. Yeah, and that's exactly my first response to this. It's like if there's one thing you need to make sure that your device does, it's probably yeah. dial nine one one. Yeah, if you grab my phone and go to hit the thumbprint four times, it's like, do you want to make an emergency call? Right, exactly. Because you're not the person who owns this phone. <laughs> okay, if do I had you a one plus power, five? let's just shut this thing down for you. Exactly. <laughs> if I had a one plus five, it'd be like, you know what? We need to reset this for you. You're confused. Like I, yeah, definitely I seems like a prod bug. <laughs> I understand yeah. that prod bugs happen, but not this mm-hmm. one. This one can't happen. <sighs> yeah, there's a lot of things that it's like, yeah. ah, you know, we'll fix that with an online update. This is like the one, the one thing that we need phones for is like if stuff goes down. <laughs> and the one number, it's two numbers, one of them repeated, that you need to touch in yeah, order – to make sure that when stuff goes down, it's taken care of properly. Right. And this phone's like, nah, man, we're good. 
Yeah, there's there's a couple functions on your lock screen. This is one of them. And I mean, you you didn't test all of the functions starting from your lock screen and then going into the phone. You're gonna have some issues. <laughs> yeah, redundancy is key here when you're testing for things like this. They're probably just like, oh, it's not gonna happen. It's nine one one. It just works. Yeah, we dialed a full number, so it has to be fine. Right, it's only three numbers. <laughs> Yeah, you couldn't have done like 311, the number you call when there's a pothole in your street that the city won't fix? So, <laughs> like, no, 911. Just, oh, the, oh, how I'm dying. Someone called 911. Nope. Not today. Not with this for that reboot. So I'm, what I'm curious about is do you think this was like unit testing versus uncovered? Do you think someone actually had an emergency and realized this? I guess that's all hearsay. It's, I, I would knows. imagine it is. I would imagine it's unit testing, but I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's well, yeah. For now they're saying, See, sorry, go ahead. You, uh, it seems like some real world experience for sure. It's like somebody, maybe it wasn't a, a major incident, but somebody dialed that at some point and they're just like, what is my phone doing right now? Yeah. <laughs> they just kept doing that when they tried it again. 911, what's your emergency? Oh, it's just Jerry again calling to test out my new phone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what? So, w weren't we talking about this the other day? Like, can I get in trouble for doing that? If I bought a OnePlus 5, you get in trouble for calling 911 for a non emergency. Can I be arrested, charged, ticketed, whatever the, the case may be in your area? For calling 911 to test to see if my phone works. Because you don't call 911 and get a dial tone. You call 911 and someone goes, 911, what's your emergency? Like immediately. Yeah. I don't well, know. It's not a have, wait. You so if have you a family dial 911, exactly. If you dial yeah. 911 and it goes, 911, what's your emergency? I just want to see if my phone worked in case I had something later. <laughs> what happens? Well, I think you'd probably, I mean, but you could be the responding officer, test it out, you know, or you could be on dispatch. <laughs> yes, I, don't I'm I, don't gonna know, I don't know if you're gonna get a ticket or a fine if you call nine. I mean, if you do it in excess, you will. If you call them and say, "Hey, I'm testing my phone," you probably will. But I yeah, mean, I, when I was I was a like a three year old kid. My uncle's a police officer, retired now. But at what at the time, I didn't understand how the world works. So I dialed nine one one on my house phone and said, "Can I talk to my uncle?" And you know, they they got my parents on the phone and said, "Watch your kid." And that was it. There wasn't like, a fine or anything. <laughs> But, of course, right. but like if they notice that I'm an adult, well, like they're not going to think I'm a three year old when I call in. You can't see. The I would hope not. The phone, man. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> my my assumption would be that I would be fine. That I wouldn't get unless again, like you said, unless of course I'm abusing it. My assumption would be that I'm fine if I call saying, "Hey, I just got this phone. There's an issue. When you call nine one one, the phone resets. I'm just calling to make sure my phone doesn't break." Yeah. I would imagine now they'll probably get a couple hundred thousand of those calls across the nation, but it's better than just ticketing everybody because, hey, don't waste our time. Well, what if I actually called for an emergency, but I also wanted to see if my phone didn't work? So this is when it gets into the technical side of it and right. what I wanted to touch on. Their statement right now is just saying that they got in touch with the customer probably at this point customers who have reported this issue. And if you're experiencing it, contact them at their support email address. So – um, it's sounding like they have a firmware update that can fix this. Um, what I'm wondering is, 
are they going to wait for people to reach out to them? That doesn't seem efficient to me. And then no. would you just push out an update where it overrides settings on every phone so that all of them are okay now? I mean, exactly I, what I would do. That's what I would think would happen. No right. questions asked. Every single right. OnePlus phone, not even the newest one, because I, I read in the same in an article that it, whatever this issue is could possibly have affected older generation phones as well. I heard that. Too. Anything OnePlus, boom. And that's that's when you sit back and be happier in software development because you don't have to push a recall. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is I don't understand why you would say. Oh, just give it, shoot us an email. We'll figure it out. Why not just send it to all the phones? Be like, this is your update tonight. That's yeah. That's a good point. If it's... you like, if you like your life, you might want to update. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they're trying to 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 come up with the proper wording for the press release while they wait for the online update to be completed. But like that was the not the right wording. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you have an issue, just send us an email. We'll figure it out. It's like, or just hey. <laughs> The better, the better statement in my mind would have been like, we understand that there many people are having an issue with this situation. We are working on the online update right now to correct the issue. Um, please reach out to us with feedback so we can get as many details as possible. Well, yeah, and I mean the publicity sucks, right? That's what they're probably trying to avoid is admitting guilt in a public forum. But um, I think – I mean, when you have issues with something like a software on your computer that's vulnerable and hackers can get in or it might cause memory leaks or whatever it could be, they push an update. They say, here's this new version. It's better. Download it. And people tend to do it or they have to do it to work with a certain software, you know, whatever. Um, I, I don't see why you wouldn't just push out this update and say this is new because usually that's enough to get people to bite unless they're the kind that just sits later 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 on their software update i don't i don't know why you would just say shoot us an email i don't understand that but i've been there jeff yeah later later remind me later remind me later i've been doing that i've been there i don't know why i'm even doing it but i'm delaying doing this next update on this uh ios beta that i've been messing around with for like a month now there's another version out i might as well do it but i've been procrastinating it seems like in this case, since these are hardware designers, it's probably a firmware issue, and that's a little more lengthy of an update than just software OS. Yeah, I, I guess that's true. But, I think but yeah, they should be on the horn saying, hey. <laughs> there's, a lot, there's a lot at stake, you know? Yeah. I, I just think if you're trying to get this OnePlus 5 to be the phone everyone wants, you got to nip this in the bud like right away i i do want to break it down though because when you think of like the original smartphones did we the original touchscreen smartphones i guess not like 911 was always an option right from the lock screen from like the iphone the original iphone stuff like that but i mean it wasn't really it didn't have to be a standard it didn't have to be from the lock screen it could have been something that where you had to log in first and then dial 911 it was something that they built in as a feature I don't know though. Yeah, I, I don't know about that either. I don't know what the laws are around availability for emergency calling. It may because like, right. I know that back in the day on pay phones, you didn't have to pay to dial nine one one. You could just dial nine one one and go mm -hmm. because it was available for any because they were all over the place. Right. Now that we have it in our pot, I would imagine that there's some sort of standard out there that applies towards hey, if you if there's a device that can call somebody, it has to be able to call nine one one. Yep. Yeah. Maybe maybe there should be. Right. Yeah, yeah. If there isn't, yeah. there should be. But well, I'm. I mean, I'm pretty I remember when I was growing up. 
Yeah. I don't think <laughs> well, when I was growing up in the nineties, bell and whistle, you know, I think that they said, Hey, whatever you design, this has to be able to happen. True. That's but smartphones are a convenience in themselves. I mean, you guys remember the nineties, right? We had to, if you broke down on the road, you had to walk a couple miles of that call phone and then you call for help. Nineties, different time. <laughs> <laughs> you send out a smoke signal. Yeah. Send a raven. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Find me a bird. Mm-hmm. But um, kind of touching on that topic of vulnerabilities and what have you. Um, little article, kind of a different topic here, but apparently now hackers can take control of your Segway hoverboard. I don't know who's on a hoverboard out there listening to this on their phone right now. Um, I'm impressed if you're doing that, but apparently um, there's remote control capability on a lot of uh, different hoverboard devices, and now people are exploiting that via Bluetooth. Um, I don't know if we want to just start off talking about the concept of hoverboards as they exist right now and kind of just give some thoughts on that. Why don't you want you guys take that? Well, first off, if you are a hoverboard owner listening to this podcast on your cell phone, you should get off because you're going to crash. That's just going to happen. <laughs> it's, it's a very dangerous thing to try and multitask on a thing that requires balance. Don't do it. And if you're listening on your cell phone, your cell phone happens to be a OnePlus 5, don't call 911 if someone takes it over because it's going <laughs> to be sound. Just get off. Um, that being said, that being said, I mean, it's – I haven't heard as much about hoverboards recently. I, I would imagine that the people who own them still enjoy them, still use them regularly. I rem uh, that whole issue with the certain cheaper models, batteries exploding, and that was a major catching on fire. All these videos of hoverboards catching on fire. I think that really uh, killed that trend pretty early. Yeah. Um, but uh, if it's still a, it was still so popular that so many people have them. It's still a dangerous thought to think about that hey this thing that i ride with my feet like i just i just it's not like a bike where i'm i make it go i stand on it i kind of lean a little bit and it just goes the, the the fact that someone can take that over and potentially do what they want with it is kind of a scary thought i mean yeah i mean from what i've read on the topic and it is a newer topic but you can take control of the hoverboard remotely you can bypass safety systems change settings change how fast it's going what direction it's going you could stop the motor completely or start it completely from a stop and apparently track the hoverboard <laughs> and its location <laughs> just seems like a whole bunch of nope to me all to just not walk <laughs> and, and one of the scarier parts is that the hoverboard was much more popular and uh, marketed towards a younger crowd. Yeah, for sure. So I can, I can, I mean, most people, including children, are smart enough to just get off if it's going in a direction that they don't want to go. Yeah. But you're dealing with people who can control the speeds, take it where it wants. I mean, God forbid you do it with any with any other devices that control where people go. I mean, it's just a, it's a scary thought, especially because, like I said, it, it's more of a youth driven market for for the uh for the hoverboards it's you don't see a lot of 30 year olds riding around on them no well yeah. the only people uh, i know who have them are like 12 30 year olds use segways 
yeah. segue yeah, exactly yeah. the no, parent company. We need a handle because we don't have balance. Now I would like to see these mall cops going haywire while these people are like. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say you know I mean? that might I, be mildly entertaining. What I can infer from what I've read as well, this is this product in discussion specifically in the article that I've read is a Segway product. Yeah, it's Maybe. all Segway. So they haven't. I, I read the article and everything, and they didn't. They didn't specify it was actually the Segway itself. They keep focusing on this. Um, Mini Pro, the Mini Pro, but it, right. if it's built off of the same firmware, the same hardware, for the most part, you know there's probably vulnerab- vulnerabilities in the main Segway as well. I think and I know from the university you and I went to, Kyle, that they had uh, security officers and police that actually rode those on a daily basis. Um, yeah, I, over there. <laughs> I, w- I wanted to use them. I'm not gonna lie to you, but yeah, oh, I was jealous. <laughs> There's there's a kid at my university. He's he was perfectly physically fit and fine, but he took a Segway from our apartment building, block and a half to his class, every day. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't walk it. That was too much. But you pitted me a lazy. <laughs> to touch on what you're saying though, Ryan, I don't I don't know if the previous generations of Segway products have this Bluetooth or not. I I am not familiar with this product at all other than what I've read through all the news stories ever since they started becoming popular. Um, but this Bluetooth control, why would you put it on a device? Who's riding a, a Segway? And it's just like, yeah, just send me wherever you want. Like, I, I think they were looking to compete with the boosted board, which has the handheld remote. So they wanted to add remote functionality in the future, probably when they had stronger battery capacity, uh, better motors. Understood. But I, I mean, maybe it's just because, you know, as you mentioned earlier, 90s kids, skateboards were the thing. Like, I, I kind of want to feel where I'm going and control it with my body instead of a smartphone. But I mean, that's not cool anymore. I guess not. <laughs> it's not cool to use your body for life. No, don't. Yeah, don't do you anything. Have a board in the first place, right? Because you don't want to use your body. But... The goal is to do less. <laughs> work get, harder. <laughs> I mean, work smarter, not harder, right? <laughs> <laughs> just just don't do it you know that this but, story is yeah. coming though like just like but still get to do it <laughs> this story is coming though just like you hear this hacker stopped this car that was driving on a road they got in an accident the driver died um you know someone can remotely control your car and physically harm you as a result Mm-hmm. The story's coming. Someone was on their Segway hoverboard at an intersection waiting for the light, and someone drove them into oncoming traffic. Like it's when when you think about that kind of targeting, you think more high level, high power people, uh, politicians, people who are in who are in public limelight nonstop. Know, there's there's a lot of reckless and to be frank, dumb hackers out there just want to do stuff like this. Test it out. And yeah. some maybe younger people that are smarter than they should be for their maturity level and could make this stuff happen without realizing consequence. That's one way to stop a bully. Oh, <laughs> I mean, but like, sounds like the new I, Stephen I get... King movie, right? <laughs> <laughs> like you said, I mean, it's Bluetooth location services. I mean, that's it. Like I said, it's a youthful product. Oh, for you sure. have. These people who are professional, potentially professional hackers, who can at any point just know where a twelve-year-old is. Kyle that doesn't Fisher. sound like a safe 
situation. Kyle Fisher is currently going four miles per hour down Market Street. <laughs> yeah, like, and it, it's funny, but like, um, like again, think uh, about it from a kid point of view—not you riding it, but your ten-year-old riding a hoverboard, and, and a random adult now knows where they are. Yeah. No, you're right. And and when we think of why even have that feature in? Yeah. When when you think of serial killers, I know that serial killers have a huge cult like following, and people think about serial killers. But this is a total evolution in the way serial killers have, you know, it's not traditional weaponry and things they use to kill people. This is something new. This is a new level, you know, and this could totally be utilized. But, I mean, people associate serial killers with being relatively intelligent for the most part because they get away with murdering multiple people, usually. So um, this is like a totally new venue for them. Well, yeah, like... To intertwine with both you're saying, you know, in the past, it's tell your kid, don't go for the puppies or the candy in the van. You know, now it's don't share right. your location. Yeah. Turn that Bluetooth off. Kind of, though, <laughs> right? Because, yeah, like, I mean, they're not it's outside of hopscotch. They're on their iPhone. We're getting legitimate threat. Yeah. We're getting unlimited data. Don't don't turn your Wi-Fi on ever. <laughs> Pretty much, man. Ugh, crazy times. But. Um, to kind of go in a more positive direction, which is my favorite kind of topic. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but the founder of DeepMind uh, is saying to build better computer brains, we need to look at our own. So if, if we want AI to go in the right direction and to keep growing in a meaningful way, you got to look at the neuroscience of humans. What do you guys think about this? I mean, you're right in a way. It's it's to understand how a brain that we create works. We need to understand how the brain works. I mean, it's 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 it makes a lot of sense the way it's said and worded and talked about. But that being said, it's we've talked about in previous episodes where the closer it gets to human reactions and motives and emotions, the scarier AI becomes. If it's thinking on its own about itself, if it's self-aware like we are, that is a terrifying prospect. Because, again, last time we talked about it, I mentioned that people in, I believe it was the UK, are develop, or were developing a robot that doesn't listen to you based on the idea that it will hurt itself. Yeah, the closer hurt. we get it to acting like a brain... And thinking, oh, well, this could potentially hurt me because, it, again, it's AI. It's learning on its own. Oh, I was hurt by this before. This is close to that. I don't want to be hurt by that either. You know what? I'm not going to listen to you again. Is that the one the, where it doesn't jump off the table? Exactly, yeah. Okay. I read your attention on this. Just, I know that they're not the exact same thing, but when you pull in all this information from these different areas, you know that other people see it too. You know these people who are creating these things are also seeing what other companies are doing. And like, oh, we could potentially add that to our product. We could potentially do this and combine these things and put out a, a really amazing app. But I, I know that it's not – it shouldn't be a scary thing because you're right. It's a really interesting topic to think about. Like science should look at the, the – the technical science should look at the neuroscience and – the like we should be able to to bring together man and technology in in a new way in an innovative way but being somebody who is who was brought up on terrifying movies about doing exactly that it's just it it's 
scares you. And I think it it's the things that the general public is like, I really don't really want to know that. I don't really want to know that that's possible or that exists. I don't want that yeah. to happen. It's 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 kind of a a scary thought. And then when you look at the research, you're like, it's also a really cool, amazing thought at the same time. I don't know how to feel about it. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of want to offer like an interesting counter argument I heard recently um, in relation to what Elon Musk said this week about, you know, um, proposing the threats the AI pose in the future, the near future. Um, it's the AI or the Facebook's head of the AI department. Ah, Facebook has their own AI department, right? So they have the head, this Jan Lee Kuhn, and they said, he says, the desire to dominate socially is not correlated with intelligence, it's correlated with testosterone, which AI systems won't have. That's so really when we picture point. this, right, I, I read that and I was like, wait a minute, that's, that's interesting. They don't factor in hormones and pheromones and all these things that humans operate on on a daily basis. Yeah, that's but a good do point. their designers? Right. <laughs> yeah, and if we're teaching it to think how we're thinking, well, there's no general we're, it's whoever is designing it is going to develop it to think how it mm -hmm. thinks. So here's a uh, potentially point. here's but a point. That's a really good point that I hadn't heard before. It is a great point, and it kind of ties into this other point I was hoping to touch on. Um, so, and it kind of intertwines with both your points. So it's great. The lack of common sense, as we know it, that computers they 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 lack it right now. There's things that we're just like, oh yeah, of course that's this way, but a computer just doesn't understand it that way. They can calculate complex things they can pull data off whatever repository they have and pull up any facts from history whether or not they can comprehend it but there's certain things like you can you can trick a computer in ways you can't trick a child but right you know that child's never going to tell you how to do differential equations when a computer could do that with its hands tied metaphorically <laughs> speaking so i yeah. think It's, it's just interesting because you, you're talking about this lack of testosterone. There's, what, what is that common sense? Is that something that's just human nature where we just understand our world in a way that computers don't yet? I mean, if, and if that's lacking, that's really what scares me about what you're talking about, Kyle, where they become sentient and you know, have control over their surroundings in a, in a real way. If you don't have common sense, that becomes a crazy thing because that redefines our reality. It's no longer the way humans have been living for thousands of years. Now it's this digital version as opposed to analog where there's skips in between. It's basically a bunch of digital lunatics if they don't have common sense. I mean, like it, it sounds generic, but imagine we talk about how different people's brains are who go through psychosis and breakdowns. And I mean, you mentioned serial killers, people who are like their brains have been studied. And they're like, it's a totally different beast in there. They lacked common. I know when I get mad at somebody, I'm not like I should kill them and everybody that looks like them. I know that common sense. I'm like, no, you just don't do that. The right. serial killer didn't know that. Well, they didn't care one or the other. Yeah. Or the, or it didn't matter, but like something hormone electron was off. Exactly. God forbid right. that happens in a digital format with a thing that knows everything, can do anything in an instant, and has con and is connected to everything in the world because everything's connected now. But how do you it's, how, how do you reproduce that? That's the question right. that everyone Exactly. Asking. And do we want to? I know some right. people want to just they're like, we want to be the guys who did it. 
but then you run into that moral thing. And then we, we've talked about in previous episodes, if AI start walking around and we still have that kill switch, so it's not going to be, you know, end and fatal results. Do they get rights? Do they do that? It's, there's so many next level things when it comes to AI, but you are 100% right. And the article that we're referencing from the verge is also 100% right in, in saying that to fully understand how to get to the next level of where we are currently from AI, we really need to understand how we think and respond and act and access data so we can teach something else to do it. If we don't understand how we do it, how can we show something or teach something else to do it? In in terms of sentient AI, I, I want to say, I don't want to get too Freudian here, but I feel like most biological life on this planet, if not all, is designed to procreate. Like that is Absolutely. what our main purpose is. So if an AI does not have that desire, like w- w- then how could we steer it? And that plays into the other thing where AI is still a threat because who's controlling the ship here? Who's steering it? It's still humans, oh. which are still based on the testosterone. Basically, AI is a tool. It is something that we developed to process certain functions and perform certain jobs in time that we cannot do you know like we experience time on a different level we're trying to design a tool that can it can experience it a lot faster and can compute and design and build jo- like uh, solve problems uh you know perform tasks way faster than a human but humans will still be at the helm here because we've created these things so that's kind of exactly what i was going to touch on is why have we decided generally speaking why we're even doing this what's what's the point of building it is it just to make our lives easier is it to make us accomplish more are we seeking to invent another race of computers do we want Mm. companions like dogs you know something we can love that's not us and then furthermore or are we creating another weapon in, a, in, a, in an age where nuclear power makes it so you can't fight traditional wars anymore yeah it's certainly another possibility and yeah, maybe, it could be, maybe it's a couple of these things but when, you, yeah, when you're talking it's... about procreating right and that's how that's you know how organisms behave it's to further one's species maybe with ai you know a computer it could lose power maybe that's their version of procreating maybe they need you know software updates that's their version of evolving you know there's just a different definition to it could an AI build a, a smarter version of itself? I'm sure it could. But I don't know if it could now. In the yeah. way that you're thinking. I'm sure it could mm. perform calculations better based on previous experience, right? That's... that's. It's all probability. learning, yeah. But. I mean, the, every time that the AI learns, every time the machine learns, it's technically evolving on some level. It's yeah. it's getting better at what it does. Or, or right. it, I guess learning is the best is the best term for it. It's doing something better than you intended it to do. Yeah. Like, again, was it Facebook's AI had, it wasn't a clear conversation to us, mm-hmm. but two AIs had a conversation with each other on something that they built because the goal was to not let us know what it was saying. Yeah, the, the two Google Homes, which were that's operating on the so TensorFlow was, platform. Yeah, yeah they, that was fascinating too because they were, they were in love and they were hating each other and they were in love again, but... If they do not really truly feel these emotions, like what do those words mean? Yeah. Or do they mean something? And do these AI actually feel something we cannot understand? It's a great question. I'm inclined to think that they can't process what it actually means. They just know the the instances in which humans use those words and can only like 
be like, oh, well, this word was said and this word was said and this word was said and this was the previous sentence, so now I have to say I love you. Like, I, I think it's just based on repetition and pattern. I don't think there's anything yeah. more to that. Data sets. Yet. <laughs> well, what's, a, what's your neurochemistry? It's electrical signals, right? Right. Goes to your brain, which is that processing unit. I think that's... And chemicals. Yeah. Yes, the chemical part is what really throws a wrench into all of this, and it's. And that's a good point. Something I didn't think of before. Yeah. Me too. Good point. I don't know, but um, with that, listeners, I'd like you to take some time to reflect on that topic because I think it's actually pretty important to all of us, whether we realize it or not. So for now, uh, go grab a coffee, drink a beer. I don't know what time of day it is when you're listening to this, but. Uh, for now, this has been the first half of episode 11 of Industry 4.0. We'll be back shortly with more for you. Welcome back to Industry 4.0. If you're listening to my voice, that means you made it. You came back for the second half of episode 11. We had a decent first half. Remember, guys, if you want to continue the conversation on any of the topics that we covered in the first half, make sure you reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter. You can add us on Twitter. That's fine. Reach out to us. Let us know what you think. You can even go on iTunes, leave some five-star reviews, and comment what you think. And you know what? We appreciate three stars, too. We love to get that feedback. We love it. And while you're out there, make sure if you're a super nerd like myself, you check out my other podcast, On Air with Keenan and Kyle, giving you some wrestling news. We haven't been on the air in the last two weeks because we're both a little busy at the moment. But you can always check out the uh, pay-per-view previews I do with my son, Chase. They're awesome videos on Facebook. If you search On Air with Keenan and Kyle, you get some nice little insight from an adult fan and a kid fan. See how everybody's thinking about the product. Um, I'm not the only one with a side project. I know I was the first one to plug it, but I'm not the only one. I don't stand alone anymore. If you want to see some of the best pictures you're going to see out there, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart, Thompson, I do. Flickr.com slash photo slash Wayne R. Thompson. The man is a legend in the making when it comes to photography. It, it really is impressive what he does. I mean, all boasting and bragging for him to the side. It's impressive. If you guys are into photography and you love supporting people and supporting their passions, please check that out. And last but not least, you've heard him before on the podcast, and it's a major part of why we are or what we're getting into in the second half. Go to SoundCloud.com slash Fre. That's F-R-E-H. My man J-Buds is too cool for S's. Too cool? 
didn't want the S in there. And one of the reasons you can still go there might be because of Chance the Rapper. SoundCloud recently was pretty close to being broke, according to a few different rumors. They said that there was rumors that they were running out of cash possibly by the end of, before the fourth quarter of 2017 fiscal year. And after a uh, long process, a public process, well, not fully public, but Chance the Rapper stepping in saying, hey, I'm on that SoundCloud stuff. SoundCloud is here to stay a day later. Uh, it's, it appears that they are from a public statement from the CEO here to stay for the long run. And of course that is something that is very important and near and dear to our hearts. J buds. How you feeling about this, man? Feeling good, man. I was a little shaky for a bit there because I don't know if you listeners are explicitly aware or not, but the music you hear in the intro, the break and end of the episode that those are my beats that I make for you guys. Um, I host those on SoundCloud and I count on SoundCloud for anyone that, you know, my friends, myself, my family, listeners, if you want to check out my music, I send you there. And if that site were to go down, I would be strapped looking for somewhere new um, to put my stuff up so that people could listen to what I'm working on. And something I'm passionate about, I know there are thousands and thousands of other people out there putting their music out, putting their hip hop out, their rap, uh, alt rock, podcasts, everything and anything out on SoundCloud. So the people like you, people like me can go out and explore, find out new things. And if that were to go away, I think that would drastically, drastically have an impact on the musical and spoken word uh, form of art that we are so fortunate to experience in this technological society we live in. Um, I was shaking in my boots, Kyle. I was. I was I was nervous about it. And to see someone like Chance the Rapper, who I know utilized SoundCloud heavily uh, in his gain of fame, it's nice to see him give back in a sense. Um, Ryan, what do you think, man? Uh, frankly, <laughs> I, I do appreciate Chance the Rapper trying to give back to what, you know his grassroots and everything. But frankly, I think there's a major marketing concern in terms of SoundCloud. I think they have three major competitors, Spotify, Google Play, and iTunes. And I think the fact that none of these... Well, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll put uh, Pandora Radio in there, too, as well. Um, because I, I think... Wait, what is the... What source of music does or, or do our listeners and everybody you know around the world... How do they, how do they get their music, you know? What, what subscriptions are they, are, are they part of? And I, I know, I'm, personally, I'm a big Spotify fan. I listen to Spotify, and I, I, I've been loving the radio more and more and their AI that determines what, you know, it's feeding off of what I like, and it's building more uh, playlists for me off of that, and I like that a lot. I want to see it go out into independent artists that have like creative common domains and I want to I want to grab new stuff I, and none of those none of those have those features and SoundCloud is out there for that reason it is for independent artists I want to see that get plugged into these major ones I don't want to see it be oh we're ad revenue based like every other web service I want to see it find a way if they have to do a little bit of uh, pay to play in the beginning I think it'll pay off in the long run you know I think there's a major marketing gap here that I think a lot of the engineers saw when they laid off 40% of their workforce. Yeah. I definitely agree. And I would love to see the same thing where you can find independent artists on services like Spotify. 
because just like you, I use it every day. Um, mm -hmm. That's one uh, of the things I like the most about SoundCloud is those yeah, guys, your local artists. And and a lot of the times, like you said, I mean, obviously a lot of it has to do with marketing yourself and getting heard by the right person. But when guys who are major started there, you know, it's it, it can be a useful, important tool. I mean, Chance isn't the only one. Chance is a, one of those popular guys in the world right now. He's on all kinds of commercials. He's he's popular in rap, in hip hop, in alternative. He's popular in gospel right now because of the last album that he put out. The guy is everywhere. And guy who had the best-selling album a few years ago, Meek Mill, he got his start on SoundCloud and YouTube. I mean, it's these these areas where you can fully express yourself, and it's not as complicated. It's not as it's not like you said a potential pay-to-play situation. I mean, it's a lot of just getting the exposure, and you can't get the exposure if these not if there's not these free avenues. If you if you are truly at the bottom and working your way up and don't have the funds and don't have the the necessary tools to make it as an artist on your own it, it's having these free services available to you are important and i think chance realizes that guy who poor grew up in in a rough area in chicago but his family was successful enough to help him get uh, you know to help support his dreams and not crazy successful, but successful enough to help him support his dreams. And you have somebody like Meek Mill who grew up in a terrible area in Philadelphia and didn't have the family support. And both of them still were able to use free service to perpetuate their their careers to astronomical levels for someone who grew up in their areas. And it, it, again, we're using extreme examples. Imagine the people who can use this process and also have things available to them that those pe that that Meek Mill and Chance did not. Right. I mean, it, it, it's com it, it it compounds on top. Like it's it just, it's important for people to have exposure for artists to have exposure. And when you can exactly. offer a service for free, it's nice that that was able to stay alive. Honestly, I think it's a little bit concerning that the other major players didn't see this as an opportunity. You see, you see, SoundCloud's going down. They're bleeding chips here. They're they're laying off forty percent of the workforce. Why is Spotify, iTunes, Google Play not stepping in and going, "Hey, we'll buy you," you know? We can sponsor independent artists. We can make direct plugins into our interfaces here, and then we can sponsor you from the ground up, and we can find rising stars. I, I, I is there something wrong with their marketing teams? I don't, <laughs> you know? I don't know why either. Honestly, I think that would be brilliant. Um, That's a good point. I, I don't know if maybe it's something to a matter of pride for SoundCloud. Like I don't, I don't want to. No, I, I I'm, I'm sell. very happy. An independent artist put the, the investment back into them because I want to see them thrive on their own, separate from these major entities that have money to throw at things. I mean, especially if they're too stupid to see it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it would have happened though. I mean, like they said, yeah. they weren't going to sell right away. But they, if they think, hey, you know, we're going to see what happens before we we run out of money. Let's try and do what we can and talk to partners. And then, right, right. before everything goes to hell, you could have seen. XYZ company, Spotify or iTunes or Pandora, whomever, step in and say, "Hey, we'll we'll buy you. We'll bring you in. You know, if we want to, if you want to call it a merger, that's fine. And and we use your resources to help us. You know, we'll do an independent hour on the radio, or we'll do. You know, every once in a while, we throw in somebody who isn't signed to a label mm -hmm. onto the playlist, and the ad that is on the screen is really just links to to go listen to them and find out more about them. And yeah, I, I think that that could have been a direction they they went in. Um, but but again, it could have been a pride issue where that wasn't their first option. They're like, we're going to see this out and see what happens. Not, hey, who wants to buy us because we're failing? 
maybe yeah, yeah, maybe your agree. Spotify's were waiting until it was actually happening, and then the price is going to go yeah. down. You know, right? Looking for a good sale. Exactly. So, I mean, that's all. Here, uh, it's, it's all assumption, basically, because there's no information out there about the actual right. details, um, which is frustrating for someone like me who wants to soak it all up and process it. Especially someone like you who uses it too. You, you want to know how close it was to disaster, what they're doing to help. What, what is there anything else on the horizon you should be worried about or excited about? How it's, to it's, use you it know, better? You know everything. Exactly. Yeah. Right. You have an impressive portfolio on there. That's that's what it is. It's a portfolio for music artists. I, I thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, Check out them beats, son. <laughs> I, I mean, they really set you up. I have. Um, a basic subscription plan where I, I don't have that as much of a, a limit on how much I can upload and you can put um, a spotlight section where you choose five tracks that you want people to hear first when they come to your page and this is a recent development for me but it, it's nice because I have old songs on there that I made back in 2008 when I mean I didn't know much about the production I was doing at all but baby j yeah there you go uh, in my younger years and I um I put up versions of songs and I didn't know what I was doing at all so there's like a two minute gap at the end that's no music it's just I didn't cut the file right and now when you have this subscription you can go in and replace the file and put it in with a new version that you've remastered or whatever what have you and you keep your play count it's just they they provide some things for inexperienced artists like me who are learning as they go and want to go back and use something they're proud of from the past but do it better in a different way they give you the tools to do that i'm just really excited that's not going away again i i just love forums i mean again these this podcast your Flickr account i love people who have the ability and i love when people give people the ability to express their artistic values and, and and really have an artistic presence online uh and as cheap or free if possible it's, it's the more people out there expressing their creation and creativity in their minds and it, it, it can only benefit people in that field at least at the very least in the long run so yep totally agree mm-hmm Oh yeah, a lot of I I consider a lot of art just to be some it's free expression. It shouldn't be based on a monetary value. Well, I mean it can be used that way. You can make a career off it. You can you can benefit from it. But I think most art it starts you know just by being out there. It's free. It needs to have that platform. But guys, I mean, so we were. I mean, it's that's. I don't know if if you feel we covered everything to say about SoundCloud and, and Chance coming to the rescue, but for a second there, we did talk about pay-to-play, and uh, an, an interesting article that I saw was Facebook testing as early as October, I believe it said, uh, a potential paywall or a pay-to-play subscription service. So partnering with uh, different news companies, whether it be CNN or Wall Street Journal or what have you, they haven't named anybody, so I'm just using those as examples to, for people. Um, no, no companies have been named so far, at least in the articles that I've read. But Facebook is uh, partnering with numerous uh, news sources and setting up a potential paywall where, um, as an example, I can say I read a lot of things in a Wall Street Journal because they post it on Facebook. 
Well, after 10 views, instead of being able to click on the next free article, well, that's it. The 10 views are my the 10 articles I click on, those are my free views. And now I have to subscribe to the Wall Street Journal, which Facebook will prompt me to do in order to read anything else. It's it's it is a paywall or a pay to play, as you say. They they did say that during the testing process they're gonna settle on that number 10, but it is the beginning of a potentially dangerous trend. I am seriously, seriously opposed to this idea personally i don't know what good could come from it other than for facebook and for those companies if you're providing media to the consumer i don't think you should be concerned with how much you're making off of them unless you're trying to sell magazines and i think that's fallen through the cracks because this stuff is available and it reeks they want the digital subscriptions now it, it reeks of it reeks of net you know, this net neutrality argument, it reeks of uh, cable providers, subscriptions. Um, I don't want to have my intelligence and my, my gathering of knowledge stifled because I need to subscribe to all these different sites or media providers. I, I enjoy Facebook for the fact that I can go out there and catch up on everything I missed from a week. If it's more than 10 videos or articles now, I'm going to have to pay for it. I refuse to do it. That's my, that's my stance. And, and I think the, the next step in this particular thing, without getting too crazy, is that you'll see a lot of these other websites that take things from those major articles so you don't have to just subscribe just so they can get their clicks and, and, and build ad revenue that way. I think uh, Facebook will start to fade, not fade them away, but give preferential, preferential treatment to their partners yep. and show you the – CNN article or the Wall Street Journal article or the New York Times article. Well, I mean, again, I'm naming things off the top of my head. Just I, subscription. Obviously, I'm going to go to newspaper and magazine first. But uh, these different these various websites where you're getting your news from, I think that they will give preferential treatment and force that to be the thing that you're sharing, showing, seeing when you log on. And uh, again, it's like you said, screams of this net neutrality that we've been trying to avoid on one specific site, which is one of the biggest sites in the world. I think that um, you're going to start seeing things like when you get to your news feed, they're going to have a video that you have to watch first. That's from one of these, or, you know, maybe it's not one of you that counts for your, your play count, but it's going to get you on their page, looking at their videos and getting you into that subscription or, you know, you watch a video, it goes up next and plays a video automatically. It's yeah. probably going to lead to a lot of these companies or providers that are in cahoots with Facebook for money. Why else would they do it other than to make money and to shove it down your throat? That's not what I want to get out of a social media service, personally. I get sick enough when I see things on my Google searches that bring up recommendations of what I should buy based on my searches because of my cookie content. Like I, I despise that as much as I understand why it's happening and how I hate that that is the tattoo of the internet, so to speak, you know, that it, it can't get removed now. It's not going away. I don't want to see that happen to Facebook either. 
I, I definitely agree with you guys. And since Facebook is the largest provider of news media as of 2017 to the world, um, <laughs> I, I definitely do not want to see anything stifled for pay-for-play profit uh, margins. But at the same time, I see another perspective, whereas paper mediums have been dying for a long time. And when 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 you're going to try to restrict me for some money, I might be more tempted to look back into paper mediums. Anything, any any alternative to this <laughs> is is acceptable in my book. I mean, I'm from our area. I, I look at the Enquirer, which has been bleeding chips for a long time because you know the internet's going to bleed it dry eventually. It's it's a paper medium. It's an older form of uh, news. But when I see crap like this, and it's. it's just extremely discouraging. I, I'm more inclined to go back to that stuff. I'll, I'll go to the, the local convenience store in the morning. I'll pick up pick up that paper. I get more than ten stories out of it. Like, come on. Yeah. And some Kindle for your fire. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> use the Kindle. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> you know, it's just it's a scary step to go down when we're in the middle of this fight for net neutrality, and like you see companies like Amazon and Netflix stepping to the front of that and then Facebook without calling it this kind of goes like hey yeah but we're cool with just making money on the mm-hmm. side doing this thing that's kind of the thing that you hate yeah and right. that's kind of what bugs me the most about it is it seems like they've been on I mean it's not my side but my side of the argument where you know this is not what I want they seem to be reinforcing that when it comes to things like the net neutrality argument but then you come here and it it just seems to me based on things i've seen in the past and what you know is going on behind the scenes that this is just steamrolling i don't think there's any stopping this now it's just a matter of how do we tell facebook in the meantime we're not okay with this is there any telling them that can you get those billions of users to say something yeah, the the first time the net neutrality argument came around, the, the first time it was proposed and shot down, Facebook was very much on the side of the progressive tech companies, and they were they were very forthright now going about it. This time around, they were pretty quiet. Now, you know, when I think about it, it's like, wait a minute, like you, a huge provider like Facebook, and really, it's it's they had Netflix and the ISPs versus Amazon, you know, and and so you still have these big guys in there, and Google Google's with Amazon, of course, but where was Facebook? I feel like they're a huge, to use the metaphor again, a huge chip. You know, you you put Facebook down, and there's a lot that goes with that beyond just the name Facebook or how many people use it, um, what they're worth. Like, just as a world society, they're everywhere. If they're saying one thing and they're pushing a certain argument, people are going to hear about it, people are going to care about it, people are going to probably agree with them if they're making the right call in this situation i'm very nervous because let's face it everybody is addicted to facebook in some way right this is a platform that's about to hit a third of the world's population yeah every day and um I mean, these we know that Facebook is already they have made plans and they have been lining they've been laying new transatlantic cables and not just transatlantic, it's going across the Pacific and things like that. They've been with the ISPs laying new groundwork for um, interconnectivity. Skynet. It's happening. <laughs> it's happening. 
I mean, they could be they could be proposing to to compete with future ISPs in that respect, which would be good. It would be good for the market. But I mean, the way these big corporations play these days, it's never it's never clean like that. Well, now it makes me nervous too because, I mean, I'm always skeptical of corporations, businesses that get too big because when you get that much power, what are you gonna do with it? And now that I'm seeing kind of where it can go, what you can take advantage of. You know, people talking about Zuckerberg for president, you know, all this stuff. If this is the kind of decision you're going to make, not that it's, I'm not saying, you know, Lucifer is on our hands, but this is something where it's about money. It doesn't have to be. And things are working just fine the way they are. But they they can write it off as, hey, it's just a new business venture for us, and it's helping support a dying breed, a dying brand of, of people who are used to getting their subscriptions over the telephone and then us mailing something to you. We're helping a business thrive that was on the edge of dying. And you're also going to avoid Google Play and iTunes because they're going to take their 30% cut if you sign up through them. And you're also going to get a bigger cut out of it because you don't have to get cut to these companies as well. They're going to find an avenue where they're making as much money as they can while helping the small guy or keeping right. a business alive. Or they're going to call it everything they can to not make it sound like it's this net neutrality issue when in reality it's it really is a smaller version of that and this is only step one. And if they get away with this, then it's going to turn into the next thing and the next thing. And then Twitter's going to copy it and Snapchat's going to copy it, and Instagram's going right. to copy it. And then it's just going to evolve. And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, well, everybody else is doing it. We want to get our money into it. And now it's, Netflix is doing so, it. And, Amazon, and then all of a sudden it's just evolves, evolves, evolves. So what's your, what's your take on cable providers and the service they provide and how much they charge and the fact that your bundle, deer, bundle deal is cheaper than whatever simpler option you want to get? Because that's I just, like, essentially what happened when the magazine died out and computers became a thing and set-top boxes were mainstream and everyone could get them. You know, now you're getting your, your news through the TV, you're getting your ads through TV, your entertainment through TV, you're not reading it, you're not hearing on the radio. Now that we're in this technological age where everything's through the internet or your smartphone, this is what happens where they're like, okay, we've dug our heels in, everyone's on board, now let's make it count for us. That's what scares me about it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, no, I, I, mean, I find it, it, it's incredibly frightening, but at the same time, I think, I'm, I'm hoping that technology will be able to overcome just standard cable lines. I'm hoping we will move into a wireless territory before these ISPs do, and should be able to shut them out. And, you know, it will open territory for the next big corporations to come in but i mean there was recently there was um they had a couple scientists that they they teleported an object into space but they, it's actually uh i mean it's a way to say that but it's it's quantum teleportation that's how they're they're labeling it yes a photon yeah so what it's if you could if, light, yeah right a particle of light well just like fiber optics it's operating on light so what if you could transmit data by teleporting it instead of lining it with these cables and what if these, you know, Facebook-based and ISP-based cable companies are uh, just a relic waiting to die. Well, I mean, that, to be honest, that's happened. They've sent a photo remotely and wirelessly to a satellite. Or maybe it was the ISS. I'm trying to remember the story now that I'm recalling it on a live episode. But there was, <laughs> there was some kind of, like... 
popular or likable photo that was transmitted either from Earth to this remote object in space or vice versa. Mm. And it came through in low quality, but it came through. Right. There's one where there's a team of Chinese researchers um, where they teleported this object uh, 300 miles through quantum entanglement. And apparently the MIT has this in their technology review, if you want to look into it further. But I think it's fascinating. I think that's the future of data transmission. When it comes but to what's, the quantum side, it, it's a different realm than what I was referencing. Absolutely. Um, but, go ahead, Kyle. So, so my thing is, like, what is the likelihood that this causes with new businesses and new business ventures and new corporations rising using this technology, what is the likelihood that new people come with this technology to replace the quote unquote old relics of, of the current internet? Or is it more likely that the current internet use their money, the, the, the big players, Facebook, et cetera, use their money to fund this and be the first ones using it? So from past experience, what I would say is that you're going to have these, it's going to be based on the service provided, right? Despite the size of the company, organization, what have you. Um, if it's something people want to use, people are excited to use um, something that hasn't existed before that now does, people are going to get excited about it and that's going to get momentum. When it comes to Facebook, um, they've bought out other companies in the past that have had great ideas and Sometimes early, sometimes like Google's done the same thing. It's, it happens a lot. If someone has enough money, you see an idea on the rise, you purchase it or replicate it, and then it becomes um, popularized. I think that when you had these big players with all this money, and now things like this happening, you know, ten percent uh, or sorry, ten articles and then a fee, that's going to be more revenue. And people rely on that media. That money's going to keep coming in. That's going to allow them to keep acquiring smaller companies and services. And to keep, I don't think, I, I'm sure Facebook has a research and development department where they're trying mm -hmm. to come up with new ideas. But I think they largely rely on other people doing the legwork and then just saying, okay, let's give you enough to make you happy. And now we're going to run with this. I agree. And I think the sad part is that this experiment we just mentioned and like you were touching upon, Jay Buzz, it's not just it's not just for data, it's for physical um objects. It's Possibility of teleporting. Right. Yeah. But it could be bought out and utilized for one specific thing. Which is what capitalism tends to do sometimes. So so to kind of tie this together, because we got a couple of different like streams of thought going here. I don't think Facebook's gonna own, you know, or mcdonald's gonna yeah. own sending you a big mac in space you know what I mean? it's not gonna <laughs> right. happen right. like that but there's different avenues they're gonna open up mm -hmm. i think what kyle's getting at is how's this gonna work for these startups versus your facebook's and your amazon's and what have you which is why i kind of got into that acquisition conversation there um it's definitely a different it's a new day and who knows what's to come right but I think that when you have issues like this arising and you have big companies taking advantage, big companies acquiring other companies and new technology at their hands, they are going to press to do whatever they can to get involved.
right? One thing I thought of, and, and tell me if you think I'm, I'm crazy or it doesn't make any sense, but you mentioned, uh, you know, it's Facebook getting more revenue and is coming up with this new idea of the, the 10 free and then you got to do a subscription base. And that's another form of revenue for them. And we talked about, you know, what can we do in the meantime as the multi-billion users to let them know that we don't want this. I almost think it might be not the users that let them know because they're like, well, guess what? I mean, we're the number one new su- supplier of the entire year. Like, you're going to do it. <laughs> like, we're pretty confident in that. I think it might rely less on, or at least less than we think, less on uh, our reactions to it and more what the next guy does to counteract what they're doing. So who's the next guy that steps up and says, hey, we're going to give you free views forever. We have the subscription built into Twitter, and you can see every CNN article that you want, regardless of your status. You just have to create a username and a password. Or, hey, you know, you did 10. We give you 10 a week, and then the next week you can start over again. And, or we give you 50 for the month. or what? Like Someone is going to have to... It, I think for real change to happen, I think everything that we've complained about, we kind of just get used to. Unfortunately, that's that seems to be how it happens. It's not until someone else, big business or otherwise, steps in and says, hey, we're going to do the same thing but different, a little bit better and a little bit closer to what the general populace wants. And that's when you really see change happening between businesses. I think you're spot on. Absolutely. With all of that. Um, it's just a matter of doing it right. Because yep. you can – Put all that out there. Hey, we're going to give you 50 a month or unlimited, what have you. If you don't have access to the right stuff, it's not going to matter. No one's going to care. And if you don't push it the right way, and it's uh, a forum where people are actively looking for it, finding it, coming across it, again, it's not going to matter. Um, everyone's on Facebook. Everyone's going to go see these videos that they're going to be charging you for. It's just going to happen. I just hope that I hope that there is competition, honestly. I, I like Facebook in a lot of ways, but I I just hope that this in some way doesn't work out for them. Right, I agree. I think the competition will promote uh, better content from the media providers, but at the same time, the mobile apps sketch me out because the mobile apps through Facebook, they guide you through their browser, and that's where they have the ability to cut you off. If you're using the web browser through like a Windows-based PC or something like that, you have more mobility. You can move around and keep going through articles, whether or not that source cuts you off or limits you to 10 articles at a time. That's a great, that introduces so, a That's a good point. point. Um, I'm curious because if, if you work your magic and you go through Facebook and their browser and wind up at the site, um, you know, industry40.podbean.com, and you get there and you're in Facebook's browser, you can copy the link and put it in your Safari, your Google Chrome, what have you on your device and access it a different way. Is this 10 articles per month going to be a strict limit that these providers have no matter where you access the media from? Is this just through Facebook? Um, it might be. It, that's a good point. It might be uh, like a concurring thing where they they are now going, hey, we're going to do 10 articles a month and and – Facebook is going to advertise the holy hell out of us mm-hmm. and keep us at the top of everybody's feed yeah. and then also give you links to go to our page to subscribe if you want more content. So I would. So whether you go to our website directly or through Facebook, it's still the same result. Yeah. Could be. Could be. I, I would kind of think it would be through Facebook. Um, a lot of 
devices, including smartphones specifically, are linked to your Facebook account if you want it to be simple and not use a password all the time, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I kind of think that they are doing this based on the traffic they receive from Facebook. Because let's face it, they're the biggest source of their traffic. They have to be. Um, so outside of that, if you go to CNN.com on your own free will and want to check out today's news, you think they're going to say, oh, you've seen 10 stories, now you don't get the rest. I, if that were to happen, I think that would be an absolute business sinkhole for any news provider. Because why, why am I going to go there for the news if I can get it somewhere else? If it's through Facebook, at least from a business standpoint, I understand how that works. Facebook gets something, they get something. Yeah. Right. And I think Facebook has made people lazy. <laughs> it's oh, like, oh, it's, it's just right there on my page. Yeah. I'll just go right there. You know, I'll check it out and come back to Facebook. I want to go back to Facebook. I'm scrolling through Facebook. That's, that's what it is. It begins in Facebook, it ends Dude, in Facebook. I have opened <laughs> Facebook on my computer and pulled it up on my phone at the same time. I have mm -hmm. closed it on my phone <laughs> and immediately. Can't tell you how many times I've done that. On my phone. It's uh -huh. disgusting. And I like smack myself when I do it because I'm like, why? Why? Yep. Who cares what someone's eating on Foursquare? Like, <laughs> when I when I catch myself doing it, I contemplate de deactivating my account every single time. Do you know how many mm -hmm. times I've deactivated? I've deactivated my account probably six times in my life. I've done it zero. My record is like 18 months without Facebook. I might need a cleanse. I might take like a six month <laughs> cleanse and get away from it. You can just Skype every day instead. Oh, can we please? News, you can fill me out on your news, and we don't need yes. <laughs> it's fantastic. For those of you who can't see, which is all of you, I did a huge <laughs> fist pump. <laughs> we had a moment, but um. that's what these podcasts are for. <laughs> Moments it, between. Is people. it sad that I have a custom skin on my Facebook page? <laughs> my web browser. It reminds me of the MySpace days where I used to put a custom uh, theme right. on my page and my, my little playlist of songs you'd hear when you came. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so let's, um, let's transition a bit here, guys, to something a little less depressing, a little more exciting. Yeah, a little more positive, huh? Yeah, so... Mr. Um, Irvin for this one, too. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Bluetooth, uh, looking to make some upgrades, um, looking to make some improvements with the smart home and smart devices. Um, they're making a pretty cool case. Uh, why, don't, why don't you guys take off with it? So it, it appears that Bluetooth is trying to really make the push to be the number one provider for uh, for the, these home networks and these these home assistants and then obviously the uh, the rest of the, the connected home, whether it be your lights or your doors, or your locks or your windows or what have you. Um, and one thing that the Bluetooth uh, updated very recently is uh, a specification for Bluetooth mesh, uh, which is essentially like um, it, 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 it takes low powered Bluetooth devices and it acts like its own network. So uh, basically instead of communication going directly from your router, or your computer, or your main source of data to your individual devices um, directly, if you have things in between, so say my phone, say I'm sitting in the living room on my phone, at the top of the stairs, there's a computer that we happen to leave on all day. And then in the next room over, it's a game, it's a, it's a video game console. Instead of sending the data 
from the router to the console. It sends the data or parts of the data to the phone, the computer, and the console, and then the phone and the computer send the rest of the data to the console. It all happens very quickly, but it's a way to split the data to get it there faster so it's not just one big file going all at once. Uh, it's essentially, and we, we, we talked about it, it, it's almost... It's very reminiscent of what they talked about on Silicon Valley, which is a theoretical thing that doesn't exist. But at the end of the last season, where they create a network based on just the devices, it's not a network with a bunch of routers sitting everywhere and new and and new varying IP addresses. It's a lot of just using the devices that already are connected to create their own network where they're constantly communicating with each other to make data travel faster in smaller amounts. So what I'm curious about with this at least for now, is um, bandwidth, right? I think Wi-Fi mm. has a lot more bandwidth right now. From what I'm reading, um, Bluetooth 4.0 is promising similar speeds to Wi-Fi, but as of right now, I believe it's around one-tenth of the speed you can get. So granted, they're making development, so things are bound to change. Um, do you think this is going to be a faster method of communication? Do you think it's just going to be more reliable where if it fails in one means, it's going to succeed in another and get you your ultimate result in a more successful rate where you don't have failed text messages or Snapchats, whatever you're doing. Um, furthermore, how's that communication going to work? Is it, how how do you recognize those devices? What do you have to change on those devices? Do you just, just Bluetooth enable them? Do they still have to be connected to some kind of network? Because currently, I assume it's done through a local network in your house or your place mm. of work or what have you. Um, what, is there going to be an alternative to the modem? Is it done through 3G, 4G, what whatever signal? Kyle, I, so, I tell would... me all of those answers now. <laughs> Um, okay. Uh, so <laughs> Thompson, you had yeah, something yeah. and I wanted to follow up something. So, um, I would assume, and I'm, I'm relating this to the way hard drive storage works right now. And currently in my network test storage, I'm, it seems like they're trying to develop an array and it's almost like an antenna array, you know, you know what I mean? Like they're trying to utilize the strength of multiple devices at low power based on their location. So I think there wouldn't it wouldn't be based off of each individual device's connection to a network. It would be maybe one bouncing it off of an array. So it's almost like, all right, we're going to amplify this data based on the Bluetooth that's in your house. And this article says that it has to begin, it, the, the, the base models have to have at least Bluetooth 4.0 or 5.0. But I, I think about all the Bluetooth devices in my house. Currently, my light bulbs are Bluetooth. I have the Philips Hue. I have, I have Bluetooth in my PC. I have Bluetooth in my phone. I have Bluetooth in... Um, I have Bluetooth in my Raspberry Pi <laughs> under the TV. Uh, it, the Bluetooth is in a lot of a lot of devices I already have, uh, and I use on a daily basis in my house. And I, if you amplify that to make it as in a form of an uh, antenna array or some kind of data transmission, I think it has a lot of potential. Yeah, and one one of the big things that they mention in this article is it's it's not necessarily about the quickness, like you mentioned. It's more about the distance. Like it, it would basically, in my mind, this, they they don't say this, but in my mind, if works, if all works well, could potentially eliminate dead zones in your home for Wi-Fi and and receiving data from your router. It's so the the example that they give, and I think this is the the simplest explanation that I saw so far through the article, and it it, it screams how it, how effective this can be so if you 
you know, if you teach your lights, hey, every time I hit the garage door opener, turn the lights on, I'm home. Well, rather than the the garage door opener individually telling each light bulb, regardless of where it is in the house, you know, turn on, turn on, turn on, turn on. And then like, you know, the ones upstairs on the second floor or whatever, whichever ones you have set to turn on that are further away, if it's trying to ping and it's just like, hey, uh, come on, man, come on, turn on, turn on, turn on. Uh, then it finally gets it. All right, I, I guess that one that's the furthest away. Well, rather than the garage door doing all that work, the garage door opener will send one message to the f- closest light bulb. That light bulb sends it to the next one, to the next one, to the next one, to the next one, to the next one. And the garage door opener isn't working as hard. The lights are just doing a little bit more and sending the message quickly to each device rather than the one thing is sending it to the furthest thing. So it basically covers a longer, right. like you said, an array. It covers a mm-hmm. bigger area, bigger distance. It's, it gives you immediate communication between devices that wouldn't necessarily have that great uh, percentage of success being far apart like that. So that's a great explanation, yeah, I think, guys. Thanks. For right, <laughs> that was a great explanation. Yeah. Both of you, yeah. Um, I, I did misspeak. I was commenting on 3.0 when I meant to be talking about 4.0. But, um, oh, geez. <laughs> yeah, no, forgive <laughs> me, everybody. Sorry, guys. I let you down. Um, Kyle, that's that's an awesome point, man. And it makes me wonder beyond just opening your garage door, what else could. Um, what else could you do with that in your own home? What about elsewhere? What if they have some kind of, what if they extend the distance of Bluetooth? That's a big question for me because right now it's, it's, um, you know, low, low emission. You're not using a lot of power, but the distance you have to be within a certain range for it to work. What if there's transmitters set up on telephone poles or, you know, it, it becomes some sort of means of, global communication it's authentication and encryption based so you can't control someone else's garage door but if i want to tell kyle what's going on with me maybe there's some network set up where bluetooth is the way to go instead of going through satellite communication wireless hardwired cable provider communication i'm thinking outside the box here and it doesn't have to be applicable now but I think that it could be something that's going to happen. Yeah, and and, and again, I, I hate to reference a show that's not based in fact, but it's Silicon Valley. He said it, it's it is a peer to peer network. It's a new version of the current internet that we know and enjoy. Right. It is it's it wouldn't be as relegated as the internet is, which is pretty not regulated as it is now. But like it's it, it's a new way to communicate. If done correctly, and especially if they could increase the the power of it again, like I can, if I don't need service provider because I have Bluetooth in my phone and I can just communicate with you, I mean, that's that's a honest, whole new ball game. Who, who wants cable at this point? Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> um, unless you live sporting anybody. events Cut are the, the only reason that people still get <laughs> cable. It's, it's it's almost the number one. I don't have any studies, so don't quote me on it. But the number one reason when talking to people that I know, so my own little research, is live sporting events. Yeah. Is the number one reason that mm-hmm. people still I think we got into this. Subscribe to cable. Did we get into this another episode or were we just talking one time? No, I, sure. I've gone I've gone in depth in on ESPN a lot. Yeah. So it could it could be yes, I could have kept it. Exactly it's yes. one of the number one reasons people keep uh 
keep it is for live television. So like it until these guys, I mean, was it Twitter? I know Twitter had the rights to certain NFL games. Um, that may have changed hands actually, but. Listen though, man. Like, if that continues to happen, then yes, you'll see cable start to go down. This, but until cable providers, I mean, it's already starting to go down. Cable but. providers are certainly capable of streaming live events via the internet, as it stands right now, without having that coaxial cable come into your house and plug into your set top box. True. Granted, unless you have fiber optic pure fiber optic you're getting a coax anyway to get your internet in your home i i think at this point it's just stubbornness although i mean it, it's playstation view was why are you gonna, the why, internet still gonna say playstation view you can watch comcast on this ties into the previous conversation why would they give you something for cheaper when they don't have to it's going the other direction in the previous conversation, which is what upsets what? me. Here, I feel like it could be changing for the better, and it's not. Um, I don't know. I just, and tying, just back in, tying back into Bluetooth, my whole my whole concept here is to, like Thompson said, cut the cord. I don't think it's necessary except for at major hubs anymore. You know, um, oh. you, you, when you look up your speedtest.net, whatever, and you look up how fast your internet is, it puts you at the closest uh, major hub of that provider. And based off of that, it tells you, it knows you, you can tell your location, how fast you're transmitting data, um, where the regional center is, where that data is coming from. I think that that can certainly all happen without a wire at this point. It's just a matter well, of- Well, satellite, Satellite's been beaming cable uh, for how long now? How many years? Satellite's been around for quite a while. It has a long time. And that's technically a wireless medium, right? If your dish um, is getting it good It doesn't signals. necessarily operate. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't necessarily operate on a raise. Not that it couldn't. It just, it just doesn't. And the availability of Bluetooth at this point is undeniable. I mean, just in everyday household items, like we were mentioning before. Yeah, um, It's almost like this, right... It's kind of like a little undiscovered player that is also, also like, wait a minute, we can just put some uh, newer ones in here, create a mesh field, and have it a blanket network all of a sudden where we could send data and compete with ISPs. So I don't know who is in the driver's seat with Bluetooth. I have no idea. I just know that Bluetooth is everywhere. I don't know who's right. in charge of developing it. I don't know in who's like controlling what it's involved with. Right. I'd like to find the patent owner of Bluetooth. Well, uh, so, sure. I mean, Bluetooth sure. SIG is the yeah. group that oversees the Bluetooth standard. I know that. That was referenced in go. the article that we talked about on The Verge, but uh, I don't know beyond that right. any there's, other details. There's different no. aspects to it, and I'm, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm, I'm touching too much on the service providers here, but I just... I'm looking forward to a change. I feel like this could be a big part of it. And I'm yeah, excited. it's step one. Yeah. Step it's one. It's all about the technology. It yeah, is. It's... And there's so much you can do with Bluetooth already. Imagine if it could expand. We're yeah. connecting those little intranets, so to speak, with each other to make an internet of Bluetooth. It's fascinating. And and I think people know how important Bluetooth could be. Some companies seem to because, like we mentioned, what was the uh, the one home assistant that 
had Bluetooth. Was it Google Home that had a Bluetooth in it and no one even knew? They just put it in, and then with an update, they turned it on. Was it the, was it the home or was it the Echo? I'm not. Oh, it, it, it could be all of them at this point. I don't yeah, know. One of them, probably one, one of them but... it was a big deal with their most recent update, where they they didn't advertise the fact that they had a Bluetooth receiver in the device. They just put it in there and were like, "We'll find a way. We'll we'll find a reason to use it later." And I mean, hoverboards. What are the reason you put a? They probably just thought we'll find a reason to use it later. See that right there. It's just like a like a, a bright symbol that there's some kind of driving force behind this. You know what I mean? Yeah, somebody's somebody, heavily invested in this. Kali, somebody right, knows the, the Google Home. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I remembered. Yeah. Good <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, it's 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 serious. Like it's people clearly know that it can be effective. It's just the right people finding out who. And it seems like this Google or not Google. Excuse me. The smart home concept is really going to be the first arena where it gets pushed and we really see what bluetooth can do uh, at the next level so i think there's a lot to look forward to personally i agree not stopping anytime soon but um any final notes guys anything you want to touch on i know what i'm gonna look forward to uh, please tell me i am gonna look forward to when you the listener subscribe review, and comment to this podcast on iTunes and Google Play and podbean.com. That's what I'm looking forward to. I check it five times a day just to see if there's an update. Always. So please make my day. Uh, like, subscribe, share, listen, rate us. Uh, tell us you rate, like review. us, tell us you don't, whatever you got. We want to hear that you love us. We also want to hear how we can get better and give you more information that you guys are going to enjoy. I keep saying five-star reviews uh, because that's what helps us climb the, the ladder quicker and get us noticed by more people so we can continue to bring the uh, information that you guys love to a wider audience. Um, and I'm going to make a promise right now. Any five-star review that I see on iTunes, I will read and give you a shout-out by your username on the podcast during one of the breaks, either the lead-in or the lead-out uh, for, for one of the breaks or, or at the, the end of the show. So I promise you, you leave us a five-star review. And don't leave, don't leave one because I said that. If you think we're worth three or four stars, feel free to leave, a, leave us that. Give us that constructive criticism. We will still take it and appreciate any feedback you have. But if you leave us a five-star, I'll give you a shout-out in the air. Do me another favor, too. If you find a topic during the week that you're listening to this podcast and the downtime before we come on again, you think it's something that you'd like to hear more about, let us know. Send us a message. Send us a comment. We'd love your feedback. Yeah, we love We want to give you guys what you want to hear. So whatever you think is interesting and you want some smart people and me to talk about, we will all sit here and talk about the, <laughs> about those various topics, and just give you guys some different points of view, some different feedback. Again, my perspective is I like a lot of things that are happening in tech. I just don't know the technical side or really understand what's going on. That's why I became friends with these guys. That's honestly, it, just for their information. Honestly, Kyle, yeah. we are we may be technically inclined, but we are learning as we go. That's the beauty of it. It is. Anyway, I'm just here to learn. I don't know about you guys. And <laughs> <laughs> <And> be beautiful. <laughs> Please, when you're looking for us everywhere, twitter.com slash industry 40, iTunes industry 4.0, Google Play industry 4.0, industry40.popping.com. 
Facebook.com slash Industry 4 When you're looking for us, make sure you are looking for the uh, – it's the white square. It says Industry 4 uh, Industry four and black and green gears. That's us. Any other posers out there, don't help them out. Help us. <laughs> um, you can always, again, help out J-Buds by going to his SoundCloud. Help out Thompson by going to his Flickr. We talked about that at the first half. Help me out by subscribing to my podcast. But most importantly, please check in for next week. Episode 12 should drop next week, obviously – this episode dropping later this week uh guys do you have anything else to ride us off into the sunset with i just want to thank everyone for tuning in we appreciate your time and hope you learned something here yeah thanks guys all right so for for myself kyle fisher jay buds and ryan thompson signing off episode 11 thanks guys